0: Welcome to the latest instalment of the Talking, Learning and Teaching podcast. On this episode, we're talking critical thinking with University of East Anglia's David Holland. David Holland has a teaching background spanning four HEIs and developed many of his learning interventions in a further education setting while leading the Psychology BSc at UEA's partner institution, City College Norwich. Since moving back across to UEA, David was awarded an Institutional Teaching Fellowship in 2022 for his work developing skills and critical thinking curricula for first year students and as a deeply passionate advocate for the demystification of thinking skills and how this can fuel improved academic literacies, standards and outcomes. Enjoy the episode. So, David, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about critical thinking. So I guess the first question really or the first statement would be, Define for us what you mean by critical thinking, because I've always found it to be one of those buzzwords, a bit like engagement, for example, that we all use, but it's a bit vague in terms of what it means. So what do we mean by critical thinking?
1: Oh, start with the easy one. Um, yeah, I, well, I think that there's, there's different shades to this one, isn't there? You, you're right. You've picked up on this sort of slippery. Um, elusive nature of it uh, I think we we'll, I think, mean, that's part of the issue we're all very familiar with the term it, it's it's sort of um, very kind of loud and in well defined Um I think there's the kind of the idea of it as a uh, you know as, as something that that adds value to higher education and that we could aspire to it sort of puts the higher in higher education according according to some thinkers um, and and that's that that can be empowering or or disempowering depending on your view. But in terms of kind of putting that to one side, and what, what is it really in terms of as a practice of what teachers do with it and how researchers look at it, um, I think probably it's a lot easier to research it with a questionnaire about you know to what extent are you open minded. Or do you use evidence when you make decisions on a scale of seven or something? It's a lot easier to do that kind of research than it is to, to go ahead, teaching it and improving it in in students. Um, but when and it is a contested topic as well, I, I wouldn't say there's, a, there's nowhere near a consensus on it. Um, there's, I think that's one nice pocket of agreement in the literature that everyone agrees that there's disagreement. Um, but I think it kind of breaks down into a list of qualities. That are associated with thinking that uh, uh, categories of thought you could say so you you know you're familiar with things like you know bloom's taxonomy you've got you could evaluate an argument or analyze it um yeah different kind of categorical descriptions of thought um of, of information processing so you've got you've got a, a, a long list of those uh, which aren't necessarily agreed upon um and then there's an another kind of set of descriptions that I suppose are attributes of a thinker, you know, often a kind of idealized critical thinker, someone who's um uh you know open minded or um likes to uh like likes to likes to look, look at evidence before they make their mind up, that, that that kind of thing. Um so when when kind of research teams have tried to categorize it and build a consensus, it's normally been descriptions of thinking itself. The kind of the Problem with that is that you end up with something that's incredibly long and diverse. You know, I've seen definitions on, you know, a lot of organisations and people working on this, and some of the definitions you have to scroll down the screen to read it all, which obviously is problematic when you teach it. Uh, and then some of the when it's been measured and categorised again, you end up with forty or fifty different elements and subcategories of those so that's that 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 that's a bit tricky and what they tend to do is then just give you descriptions um you know to to think critically is to evaluate to analyze or well, doesn't tell a student how to think critically um because you could do a do, do a terrible analysis or a weak evaluation so it doesn't really give a sense of the quality so it's a kind of baby step in terms of just categorizing the area a bit like um subject benchmark statements as a measure of quality, it's nice to cover certain things, but it doesn't mean they've been done well. Um, so you've you've got you've got a bit of a a teaching problem off off, off the back of that. Really, it's been very diverse. So I would say it's not the name implies it's a bit of a misleading term. It implies it's one thing. You know, it's it's a discrete thing. Like I don't know, like um, you could say like anxieties or um, humility. You know, it, it, it's a it's a recognisable little characteristic in a box but really it's it's a it's critical thinkings as a plural you know you've got lots of different kinds of thought all bandied together um which may or may not um all work together or, or be emphasized in a particular example um so it's a very diverse thing which makes makes it hard for um students to get their heads around um the kind of twist that i like to put on it is is it, rather than ask what it is um it's perhaps more important to think what it's for um and, and in our context it's essentially for the kind of thinking that students need to do well in their assessments um it's a kind of subset of, 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 of you know of, of that really um and and to do that um i i think you know to and then it, you know, those kind of definitions of critical thinking make it very broad indeed it's, it's um it, it comes down to making challenging decisions um well basically so it, it's it, those definitions lead us to a, a kind of very general prescription of, of thinking um i would say that to get critical thinking done well the kind of the out the, the intended outcomes of it um to, to make good decisions well um, uh, under challenging circumstances to for students to do well at their work goes far beyond the kind of the the kind of the idea of rationality and um, applying deductive reasoning that often gets kind of is stereotypically people think about when they think about critical thinking so my my personal kind of conception of it is it's very very inclusive of of creativity um and associating new ideas um making new associations with old ideas you know i think to do well at their work and um to make really important contributions i think students have have got to so yeah i i'm interested in how it as a concept relates to kind of neighboring ideas like creativity i don't think you can have criticality and creativity without each other i think they kind of work as a the sort of conjoined twin in in a way so that's probably a little bit of a spoiler on my um my sort of take on 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 the concept um so that does does lead to a few thorny problems because i i I realise I haven't really given you a definition. I don't well, think there is one. No, I, I think yeah. I
0: think there's a lot there to unpick, isn't there, David? Actually, and it it kind of leads mm. on to the next question quite nicely. I mean, that was that was a fascinating answer, by the way. I like that critical thinking's because it's not just one thing quite clearly, although we tend to describe it and talk about it like it is. It's a you know this discrete skill mm. that you're going to get through a university education. Um, mm. I mean, we you talked a little bit about assessment there. We've got. Got some questions on that. So we're going to unpick that a little bit later on. But I suppose, I suppose the next question that would be important to ask and you you touched upon it a little bit in in the previous answer was, I mean, from a teaching perspective, what's the problem with critical thinking as a concept in higher education, do you think? I mean, you, you mentioned a few a few bits there, but if you could just sort of go back across that, because I think that's, really really important obviously the nature of this podcast is talking learning and teaching so from a teaching perspective what what challenges does it pose i guess
1: yeah i think a lot of authors have looked at it from that problematizing sort of perspective and, and described it as a as the i think it's been described as the biggest problem in higher education um and, and i can i can sort of see that um it's it's of really interwoven with a lot of other issues about academic standards. Um, but I think I think it stems from what what we've been talking about there. And, you, you know, the, the way you introduced that last question about it being a, a bit of a slippery fish, a difficult, difficult idea to pin down. That that's obviously going to create um, a, a, a slightly threatening environment for students if they feel that this is so important. Everyone's got a sense of it. Everyone sort of owns it um it's synonymous with he it's what they should kind of already know about as they walk through the doors and they come into the lecture theatre you know they can't ask a question that simple it's like you know you can't ask a lecturer what critical thinking is it's like I don't know it's like asking Usain Bolt to do your shoes up or something it's too basic It's you it should be assumed so I think that creates problems for how students position themselves and how comfortable they feel um and it also it creates problems for 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 teachers as well. I think in marking teams. I think unless you're a professor, somebody that's been around for forty years and you're very sure of yourself and you, you know who you are, then it it's very tough for someone on a junior putting on a marking team to sort of turn around. And say, well, what do you mean by critical analysis for this particular essay question that we're marking together? You know, that they, they could fear that the response would be a kind of don't you know you know because you risk risk imposter syndrome that that way um or or coming uh, coming across as a bit of a charlatan so i think it kind of it, it's because it's so abstract it, it it puts a barrier between people and and conversations so i think it's really important to you know for for teachers to be able to give concrete answers Um, And I suppose we can get away with in our position, not not doing that, you know, if we tell the students that it's something that they should they should be able to resolve for themselves or transfer to new examples. If we give them one example um, and in the responsibilities with them, um, then uh, I think it's a lot easier for us It's a self-serving thing that that, you know, that educational developers and teachers, can do Um so i think that's a, that there's a kind of social problem there's also kind of other problems that have been written about well, where do you put it in the curriculum you know is it a general thing that you could have as a kind of induction um to higher education is it something that we could be going out and doing in um schools uh, before the end point of entry i mean is it something that needs to be kind of um you know fed into the curriculum across modules um within 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 different sessions um that, that, that's very febrile that goes, works across the whole piece um so where, where do you put it and it is a tough one um to develop so i, I think these resources I, I don't think it's very amenable to you know tossing the students a, a textbook or um putting on a two-hour session and saying well, we've done it now um i think it does probably require a a change of culture you know quite quite literally a kind of a a change of how to share our thinking about something that's so um so enigmatic um so i think yeah throws up lots of questions really
0: yeah i mean what you said in answer to that i mean it it sounds like it throws up challenges for both students and teachers in terms of the vagueness of its definition what does it mean because you're absolutely right aren't you you feel a bit stupid both as a as a marker as a of a piece of work and as a student asking, well what do we what do we what do we mean by critical thinking? Like you say, if you've got that experience and confidence, mm-hmm. you might say, look, have got a really obvious question here, but what does this mean in context? But actually there are certain scenarios in which you probably wouldn't feel like doing that. I mean, you've obviously mentioned that we sort of um sell critical thinking as a as a product of higher education. I mean, do you think we miss sell critical thinking a little bit as a product of H E? So we tell prospective students that one of the benefits of a university education is to develop those critical thinking skills. But do we actually mm. do that all that well? I mean, lots of employers tell us that we don't do it particularly well. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a really important contextual question. Um, it, I mean, it, mis-selling, I, I, I suppose it's, it, does that imply that it's sort of in, intentional? Um, I, I think it's. It is, it is a bit of a case of the emperor's new clothes. I think there's an assumption that, that of course, of course, we do it. Um, and it's this potemic thing that's very difficult to, ironically, to be critical about and question. Um, I, I think on the kind of flip side of that, the bits of research that evaluate you know the effectiveness of critical thinking interventions, Give some cause for optimism. I, I think it, over the course of the degree, you know, the, I mean, the, the measures sometimes are a bit crude um, and sometimes the studies are a bit simplistic. But um, I think there's a kind of weight of evidence that says that that measures that, you know, interventions of critical thinking can develop um, very s- similar kinds of thinking o- over time. And that you can see that grow throughout the, you know, the levels of the, the, the years of a degree. So you, you can you can chart that. Um, I think that even when there are no specific interventions um there's the I think work done in nursing that, that shows that, um, that that students develop critical thinking as part of their higher education studies. That, that, that it's, it's measurable. Um, I don't think necessarily that would be, It's hard to say whether that applies to all students. And that doesn't mean do it. Couldn't do it a lot better um i think it, it's a, i think it's a huge development area um i think it's part of the, the kind of shake-up that's happening in he at the moment as for employers um i i kind of use that to try and sell it to the students and so sort of show them you know surveys um from you know international business organizations you know in terms of things like graduate attributes and and outcomes what do you what do you want from from your um from your, your graduate uh in, employees and it, it it normally tops the list you know it's not the only show in town but it, it's normally somewhere up the top there um but I'm a bit skeptical about that I mean I mean who does who responds to these surveys it's normally HR folk and if teachers if researchers like me who are interested in critical thinking don't know what it is then I don't know maybe the HR uh, folk uh in the suits don't either um And I I don't know, I mean, HE's changed a lot in terms of its positioning in society. So, I mean, one analysis of what's happened with massification and and the the kind of growth in student numbers in the last decade, two decades or so, is that, you know, HE is now the the handmaiden of large organisations in this country, large businesses. Do do big organisations really want their students or their, their employees to turn up? fresh out of the campus and question everything around them you know the management trainees in supermarkets they really want people questioning authority and 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 the wider context and the culture of the organization hmm. I, and i don't know so i i'd imagine if it really drilled into it that big organizations and, and you know little ones as well would would want good decision making skills and and students to be aware of their own reasoning and to be able to express it confidently and work with other people to reason together um, yeah, to, to make good decisions. Um, so I think some aspects of it be, be more applicable than others. And I think we could I think we could develop it um, a lot better and probably have closer ties with, um, you know, those, those kind of gradual opportunities, really
0: yeah i mean it links quite nicely that to the uh to the next question really i mean i've often found that we rely on learners developing any kind of higher order cognitive capabilities you know critical analysis uh critical evaluation synthesis etc you know that they develop them almost through by you know by osmosis if you like you know that they're just Mm going to magically pick them up um if we say how important they are um I feel like we don't always explicitly teach those things enough. I mean, what are your thoughts on that in relation to critical thinking? It's kind of one of those assumed things, like you said, like you've almost got to know what it's about as soon as you enter university. Do you think we do enough to explicitly teach the skills that are reflective of critical thinking?
1: No, I mean, I can't I can't speak for, you know, I, I, I don't even know everything that's going on in my school, um, Kevin. You know i've tried tried for a few years but it's a big school i should say it's not like sort of ten of us or something but but yeah um but yeah it's difficult to speak for the whole academy and think about it like that but yeah i i i think that some of the the drift of the literature about you know the, the idea of this massive paradox between the importance of it and then what we do with it and the and the and the difficulty of doing um work in this area i think there's yeah a lot could be done to make it more explicit i think it's you know i think really people that are working on assessment literacy um and looking at developing rubrics i think that that's what they're doing really i mean it doesn't matter if it's called assessment literacy or we're we're, we're framing it as critical thinking um kind of pedagogy but um but i think that you're just just doing the same job for a different firm in a way um so I i think we could do a hell of a lot more to make it more explicit um, There's a really good paper, I can't remember the name of the authors now, it was just, just one off that I read. It was it was about you know if you really haven't got time to drill into it as a concept with your students and, and, and do a bit of, um, I suppose, a bit of philosophising about the concept, then don't even mention it. The help, most helpful interventions don't use the words critical thinking in your teaching, rather show the students examples of the thinking that you'd like them to develop, and then, you know, set up activities and feedback loops to, to enable them to, to do the same. There's a really good paper as well. Good question. You mentioned osmosis. There was a, um, I, I teach I'm a psychologist by trade and I teach the kind of ubiquitous sort of philosophy module that you get in every sort of subject area. That's, that's the conscience of the subject. So looking at the questioning the subject. So I do the, the kind of um, equivalent of that in psychology. It's called conceptual and historical issues. And there's a paper in that field. I think I might get the name on It might be Peter Hegarty, possibly in Sur- Surrey, I think at the time, who it was a paper called You Can't Learn Critical Thinking by Osmosis. Um hope I've got the author right there. Apologies if I haven't. Um, but the gist of it was that um, it's not the kind of um, mental operation that you can demonstrate, you know, and even if students see a lecturer kind of have a problem and then resolve it they switch off and they stop really absorbing and engaging with information once they've seen the solution the fact that they've they've seen somebody on a stage solve a problem and that's what they remember oh the problem's solved the tension's gone so that that doesn't necessarily that's a big theme in the literature doesn't transfer very well at all to even very similar problems so i think you've got to you've got to work with lots of examples you've got to be very heavy with um the uh, pro- providing uh, opportunities for, uh, you know for sort of safe ways for students to to attempt and fail and then to reflect on their reasoning um to do that so it's a pretty re- resource hungry thing um to get yeah, to, to 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 develop it i think and uh yeah you could certainly be lovely if you could just learn it through osmosis like that It'd be it would be almost um a bit science fiction really it would be, be be wonderful if you could sort of just i suppose it maybe ten years would be, be a redundant question we can download it into our into our brain somehow um but um, oh that's a bit dystopian but yeah yeah difficult no.
0: I think you're right, actually. Yeah, we might have that capability at some point, the way that uh, certainly artificial intelligence is going. But I mean, there was a lot to unpick there. But again, it was quite nice because it kind of links to the next question on assessment. I mean, you talked about, um, you know, the only thing that students remember is the problem being solved, not the processes that that got us to solve the problem. And, you know, I've often had debates with colleagues about, you know, we're kind of a little bit solution obsessed when we assess aren't we it's like you know if we set a problem we kind of you know the marks and the grades that we give are predominantly based on whether the problem is solved we don't really feedback or give praise for the thinking process how well the students used resources how well they used each other how well they planned etc whereas actually in a in a concept like critical thinking that's probably where all the gold is so i mean In terms of assessment, bearing in mind that all forms of assessment are only an approximation of learning. Um, You know, we can't go into the brains of our learners and and look at the neural connections that represent learning. Again, we probably will be able to one day, uh, you know, in the future. Mm -hmm. But given that assessment is only an approximation, I mean, does that create problems when assessing critical thinking? Um, You know, I guess what I'm saying is how, how easy is it to assess critical thinking? I mean, what are your
1: thoughts on that? Well, I think made a really valid point about um the the kind of process and you know I I come from a, you know an FE background or a FE and HE um teaching background and the the kind of standing dish uh, for all our programs I and mean, this is about 10 years ago uh was uh was a skills module you know where the students they had to produce a portfolio and initially I mean as a coming from a, a big institution Myself, um, I thought. Oh, I, I was. Que- I questioned that, and I thought, you know, should we be doing this? And um, is this a bit retrograde? Um, and my my colleagues were, you know, you know, you don't understand, you're not, you not don't get it. This is the future. This is this is what what where the sector is going. You know, this this is ahead of its time. And I said, oh, okay, uh, and they were right. You know, and it took me a, a couple of years to kind of warm up. But it was yeah, it was, it was something we're all familiar with now. Uh, sort of portfolio based assessment. Um, you know, it was very professionally kind of orientated. You know, students documenting um what their achievements and 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 what they can do and kind of developing their identities through that. So I think you know it's been talked about in my school a lot in response to the kind of the um, whole AI saga. Um, that you know we need to start getting more measures of the students' process and more yeah more complete kind of A to Z picture of of how they're doing their work over the course of the semester, um, you know, breaking up the assessment into more manageable components. So I think, um, I mean, there's different ways you do that. Um You know, assessments that I'm familiar with that I, I use at the moment, you know, first year essay, um this you know, thousand word essay, the first summative assessment they do, they've got 500 word reflection at the end of it. Uh, And that's quite useful because we don't mark that. It's a pass fail element. We don't don't mark it, but we give lots of feedback on it. And it really clues up the markers into understanding the whole journey and the person behind that assessment. And, you know, the student might say, I've really, really struggled with the idea of um, providing academic sources for things. I've really, you know, really came, uh, had a bit of a, a struggle with that. Um, and then you can then come into the feedback and say, well, I actually, did it very well for these reasons, and and you know your your work paid off. Um, so I think the students obviously there's a bit of a um, resistance to their expectations about what what they think assessment and learning should be when when that that those kind of, and some for some markers as well, a lot of markers we can't mark a reflection ideas like that. You think about that for ten seconds, you go, oh, oh you, you can. Um, And then more specific to critical thinking, you've got things like argument maps um, which are kind of your diagrammatic representations of the the, the, the chain of ideas that would lead to a student's conclusion. And they've got good evidence base behind them, perhaps more better than anything else in in critical um, thinking pedagogy. Um, So we've got one assessment, we give the students a a kind of discursive um, question. Uh, you know, are you your real self on Instagram? So it's not quite like it's a bit, bit more, probably have better wording. But you know what I mean? Um, and there's got they've got to produce an argument map. And then the, the uh, which kind of shows their they're kind of the the points that they've picked up on and the counter arguments. Maybe they've included uh, and the, how they've worked the evidence in. And then the market can kind of compare the two and say, well, you know, you have a really good argument map so maybe i'm going to look a little bit more leniently on your your written expression you know you might be english might be a foreign language here you know you might have had stumbled with word choice a bit but you've right your ideas are there and i can see that more plainly so i think yeah i think i don't I, you know i think very you know vanilla conventional assessments can tap into critical thinking i mean critical thinking is kind of part of this kind of historical story of higher education um and what what it's about um, but you can take something like a discursive essay with a debate or a problem to be solved, and you can bring out the reasoning there. I, I just think it's more than about the the work that the markers are doing, um, and you know the the kind of assessment literacy stuff of literacy stuff of whether that's being you know shared with the students in the teaching at appropriate times, and they're getting good feedback, and there's there's a good shared understanding of what good work looks like, and then that. But, you know, I'm sceptical about whether with the constraints we've got on us at the moment, Kevin, whether some markers are able to develop their own reasoning with a very, you know, they might jump into a marking assignment and it's easy, isn't it, to, to criticise somebody's referencing or writing than it is to tap into their reasoning and sometimes pick their brains and think, well, what are they trying to say here? So i think I think that's a bit of a blind spot. I think we're probably aware that students need to do more work with critical thinking, but you know we I think we could look at processes like um sorry I'm going off piste here, but things like external examining um you know not not the only one saying these things, but external examining and moderation as fairly cozy uncritical practices um so I think probably building up the markers is more important than doing doing much with the with, with the assessment but I, yeah I, I think i think things like um if, if what we're doing now like a reflective conversation is i think this is a lovely mode of assessment um there's somebody in my school's a, a, a national teaching fellow fabio araricos uh, not in my school sorry in my my institution in economics in another school who does um who whose assessment is is a reflective conversation um gives students feedback on the spot. Um, and I think those, those kind of authentic skills you know, having a, a graduate that can can say something has got practice in talking about their subject, got something to say about it. Um, and they've got proper support if they've got needs around the anxieties around presentations and talking. I, I, yeah, so I think there's criticality could come out in different ways. We maybe are a little bit tied into the essay. Um, and in in my subject of psychology, of course we're obsessed with research reports, scientific status and whatnot. Um but I think like the, the oral stuff, the the be it be it vivas or conversations, I, I think is is uh, it's expensive, isn't it? It's it's logistically difficult to do it with large cohorts. But I think it's it's it, it could be very critical. I mean, I might be a critical genius in my my essay or in my own head. Um but uh, you know that you've got to give students credit if they can they can connect ideas on the spot. I think that's very important critical skill.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it made me reflect then just thinking about sometimes how there are barriers for learners to sort of demonstrate their learning through writing in various ways. I mean I'm a massive fan of verbalizing learning. I love a professional conversation or a dialogue because I think so many learners are actually far better able to demonstrate what they know and talk about the processes behind their thinking than they are to able to write them down. So I mean that sounds like a a, a great mode of assessment that that's happening there. And it, it's something I try and encourage as much as possible. You're absolutely right about the logistics of it. It can be quite challenging with large cohorts. They can be quite mm. quite time consuming as well. Um but they are so beneficial. You talked a little bit there about going off piste and, and and we're gonna do that a little bit, I think, in the ne- in the next question. So, David, I want to ask you about the wider landscape of higher education in terms of critical thinking. I mean, so where you know, where, where does this fit? I mean, should we be teaching this in, in schools? I mean, what impact does it have on graduate attributes, you know, academic literacies, that type of thing?
1: Yeah, I think context is I think it's important for all of us. We think about how the things that we're doing in the classroom do Um, and and in different spaces do fit fit into that that wider picture I I was someone that had um, a kind of grab bag of of lots of micro kind of pedagogy gimmicks and things with post-it notes and and a portfolio of of things I did in a small classroom setting Um, and I sort of went through a bit of an epiphany I guess about a couple of years ago and I thought well you've only got one career and and I'd rather make a very very small difference to something really big and important than do lots of little things um so I, I thought i've sort of moved towards a more of a macro approach to teaching and think about yeah influencing or being part of bigger conversations really uh, and that went hand in hand with thinking about what's going on in higher education as a sort of a model of it really my, we've all got these yeah we've got a model of it in our heads and how, how it works how all the pieces fit together like a kind of a system sy- systematic kind of systemic approach or way of understanding it and my way of seeing it i guess is that um academic standards are central you know high academic standards are what uh, what helps students when they when they uh, when they leave when they graduate um, and it confers benefits on their development, their lives and and society and then reflects back to the institution. If if we're kicking out really um, high quality or graduates that are capable of of producing really high quality thinking in this case or high quality work or work that um, assesses their thinking, Um, they, they, they can demonstrate that. And they've got the confidence that comes from being able to demonstrate that. That's going to have all sorts of, Wonderful, um, implications for society, for, for employers as well, for students themselves, for the institutions. So really it's, it's academic standards, um, need to be high. And quit the, what we're talking about today, um, Kevin, the critical thinking teaching is really a, a sort of tool, um, to, to, to give the students, yeah, to give the students the tools to, to achieve those standards. Um, and then you 've got the other kind of component in that model, I suppose of uh, the assessment literacy. They need to know what those standards are and be um, and, and also then the markers need to have their kind of marking literacy or their own assessment literacy they They need to be rewarding the students for that work um, appropriately so if that system's all working well, then this is how it should be that the, um, the the students have have got good good training or not training but good um good learning opportunities to develop um skills identities attributes um behaviors and so on um ideas and then the the assessment gives them a uh, a way of um demonstrating that uh and the markers recognize those standards and reward them appropriately um and then those high standards have a an impact um rippling out across the rest of society it, it, it sounds like a bit of a reductive simplistic thing but that's even if it works well that's how i see um you know skills teaching if you will or, or hot, critical thinking um pedagogy fitting into the the wider system of course it can work in different ways um you know if if standards are lowered then the students won't really need to be taught uh, much about uh, or learn much about critical thinking you know if, if standards are lowered then students can can be happy as long as the marking is generous students can be happy institutions can be happy but of course there are problems in students lives um when when, when they leave and they might, might feel that they've done well and got a 2-1 so that that kind of model can work in in different ways but basically the higher i believe in the uh, idealist really i believe in high standards um or the maintenance of standards so if if they're high then it does place a pressure on on this kind of teaching that, that I'm talking about, really. So, yeah, I think I think it's important for all of us to think about how what we do, even if it's quite microscopic at times, um, although that, you know, that that can matter in in critical thinking. There's an intervention that shows that just the prompts that an examiner uses when it's asking a, to say a nursing student to talk about why why they're they're making a clinical decision. Um, it's the words that are used can can make a measurable difference to their critical thinking scores in an in a oral oral assessment or an OSCE, something like that. Um, yeah, so I think it's important for all of us to think how, um, you know, our classroom work is fitting into that that wider picture. So I think, yeah, I think it really is key to um, improving academic standards or maintaining them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you talk then a little bit about sort of what happened after university for a lot of the graduates. And mm. I mean, this is going to be the final question, actually, is a is the future focused question. I mean, you know, what's the future for critical thinking? I mean, surely as a as a kind of species, we're going to need it, aren't we, to outthink the box. So is it is it you know, is it never been more important to get this right in higher education?
1: Yeah, it sounds like that you've got a good script idea for a kind of Will Smith film there, I think um yeah uh yeah i i th- there's, there's been a lot of you know concern or moral panic about the ai um the, the bots coming coming to to get us but i think i think that's a case in point really um because what it says what i understand that these um language engines are doing is gathering um content from harvesting content from internet sources and creating um the most probabilistic um continuations of sentences so they're they're, they're not really critical at all in that sense um they're that and they can't make critical judgments they can't dis- differentiate necessarily between good and weak arguments ai can do that um there are applications that um, focusing more on argument, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before those kind of functions get integrated. Um, but you've, you've got then, um, in, in a sense, I think it's a good thing because that, that kind of development in AI is kind of cutting through some of the, the lower level, um, thinking work around, um, finding information, locating it and structuring it. Um, so that the really important, um, aspect of making evaluations uh and building high quality arguments you know that that, that gets left uh that that's where that's that's still the province of, of of people um of human judgment and then that's uh so you you could get what you know i've heard of assessments where um you know the chat gpt produces an essay and the students critique that um so i think it probably can be it helps students, um, as a kind of adjunct to their teaching to, uh, to develop arguments. Um, I think it could probably support their learning of arguments and it might end up as that kind of, you know, that this is idea of human exceptionalism, isn't it? The, the things that, you know, separate us from the animals. Um, and that, that, that little air, that little territory of what we can do that let's say the higher apes and, um, other kind of, uh, well-developed mammals or birds I suppose and lots of our animals can do that kind of territory of what makes us unique is kind of getting smaller and smaller you know by, by the year um uh and and you know that kind of fundamentally human characteristic of of building arguments in a social space and evaluating them that might be the that might be the one of the last things that we're left with um along with maybe certain kinds of creativity or um, playful instinct so i think it's yeah i i i think the the future's bright for um critical thinking in 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 he it might it might place pressure on us to be more um more focused on it if anything
0: david it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and an education thanks ever so much for joining us on the talking learning and Teaking, teaching podcast and um it'd be great to get you back on the show at some point in future to talk a bit more
1: Oh, I'd love to. I mean, it's a it's a lovely format. I love podcasts and my own teaching. Thank you ever so much, Kevin. I'll just throw in if I can, um, along with a, a couple of other uh, researchers in uh, Australia and and the Netherlands. Uh, we're hoping to start up a a, a critical thinking network, um, just just for discuss discussion share, sharing of ideas in critical thinking teaching. So, uh, if anyone's interested, um, uh, I don't know the best method for people to contact if it if it's directly through me or or through you, but um, that'd be nice just to flag that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can share your contact details, David, in the um, description of the podcast and obviously the introduction to it as well. So uh, it'd be great to get many people across the sector interested in that particular network. So that's something for us all to look forward to.
1: Thank you, Kevin.